Welcome to the Lost Boys to Found Fathers podcast. I'm Gabe O'Sullivan and joining me is my co-host Will Haycox. We're a man who have suffered the loss of a child and through this production we desire to offer encouragement, strength, and hope to our fellow brothers who have traveled the same journey. Good morning, Will. Good morning, Gabe. So Will is going to lead us today in a discussion about how to be a great husband and father and what that looks like and, and where we actually get our direction, our input, and our example from. So with that, Will, I'm going to throw it over to you. Thanks, Gabe. Yeah, guys, thank you for joining us. It's been a little while since we've recorded. I think looking back, it's been about a month or so. <clears throat> this is just kind of a, a busy time of year for all of us, I guess. Gabe, we were just talking about your kids in school that ended up here in the next couple of weeks and sports and my wife and I have just been covered up with conferences and housework and work and everything else. So sorry that it's been so long since we recorded. Uh, we hope you're all doing well and hope to keep this consistency throughout the summer. Um, sorry, our topic, topic to Gabe, you said, uh, you know, we're going to talk about what it means to be a husband and specifically a Christ, Christian husband and uh, just what is the Lord's design and plan for husband and wife and for you specifically as the husband and this kind of is something we were talking about that came out of a, a conference that uh, I'm attending at church Gabe your wife is also attending it's a, a counseling conference just to kind of encourage people and teach them how to to witness through counseling and to help people through some of their uh, darker times in life and, and through just some some tough things so one of the sessions this weekend was about the roles of a husband and a wife and how to encourage them both in that. And so that's kind of what I've been thinking about. I took some of the ideas. Obviously, they're they're not new ideas. They came out of the Bible, so it's been around for a little while. But I uh, just took some of those things and, and went forward. So let's go for it. So as far as what a husband and father looks like, uh, I just started thinking you know, I don't know if anything's changed since I was a kid, but you think about like popular portrayals of a husband or a father, and it seems like in most media, he's either absent, like meaning he's not on the screen, or he's left, you know, the character has a single mom, or he's just an idiot. Like the first examples that I came up with here is like Tim Allen from Home Improvement. I used to love Home Improvement. Oh, yeah. But uh, he's, you know, he's like a functioning. He's maybe the best example we have here. Like He's a functioning father. He seems like a decent husband. But he's just kind of like he's always in his backyard you know, talking to his weird neighbor over the fence. So you can't see his face. Was Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or he's like he's Home Improvement man. So he's the tool guy. But he like goes in his backyard or goes in his his garage and like messes something up you know like he's supposed to be the expert but he still goes back there and he does something wrong or he gets himself into a bad situation and his wife or his kids have to get him out of it and then you have like i used to it's just not like a good show to watch but i used to like peter griffin from family guy and like that whole show is basically about how peter's an idiot and just does ridiculous things like i don't even know he like buys a boat and tries to drive his boat down the street or something like just absurd things so that whole show is based on like how he doesn't care about anything but doing something funny or stupid rather than taking care of his family and then you have maybe the most extreme example and i thought of another show that i used to like 
it is not a good show to watch. It's Breaking Bad, and it has like Walter White's the main character. And I don't know if, if you've ever seen it, Gabe, but basically the show is the guy is a mild-mannered, uh, I think he's a high school like chemistry teacher, and he finds out he has cancer, and there's this whole like inner turmoil of, I don't have enough money to provide for my family. He finds one of his former students is like, is a low-level meth dealer, and he's like, through all this crisis, basically he gets to a point where he's like, well, this guy's an idiot, and he's cooking meth, and he doesn't know anything about chemistry. I'm this genius chemist. I can make really good meth and sell it, make enough money so that my family will be okay, because he only had like six months to live or something at the beginning of the show. So basically it like descends from him being a pretty good father but kind of absent to like getting into basically building his meth empire and gets to the point where <laughs> oh, yeah he's I've like, never seen it. it's true. a crazy show like it's really well done <laughs> i can't recommend it from this podcast but uh it's an interesting show like it gets to the point where he becomes basically a meth kingpin and so you see like what we're talking about his husband and father portrayal is he kind of tells himself he's doing all this to take care of his family, but he descends into greed and pride and anger and doing this just to feel like he still has some control over his life. And he ends up getting divorced from his wife, hurting his kids, and he I think he's got an older son. His wife's pregnant in the show and has another child. But basically, he like he puts them in all sorts of danger that there's, you know, he's hiding hundreds of thousands of dollars in his house. He's got guns. There's people that are trying to kill him. And so basically another portrayal of a father here is like this really screwed up guy who goes from normal teacher to meth dealer and basically almost gets his family killed. So if that's, I'm sure there are some good portrayals of a husband or a father i don't know if any yeah, characters I, I, popped into this your is mind great i love it so i thought as for a moron uh would be married with children mm. al bundy mm-hmm. you know oh yeah that's a, good that's a goofball yeah but i mm. mean you know christina applegate so you gotta watch that a little mm-hmm. bit when you're a teenager okay with back in my day mm-hmm. um and then uh so that was a bad example i guess of a bad bad not mm-hmm. great father you know he was just kind of a, a moron as well but tried to do the right thing so to speak sometimes and then some good examples i thought again i'm older mm-hmm. a lot older than you mm-hmm. so i go back to cosby show mm. man mm-hmm. that was whether you you know whatever's going on with cosby now, now like yeah. that show mm. man was just mm. wonderful it was a great example of mm-hmm. of a great dad a great mom just family dynamic i mean man mm-hmm. it was just really really good show back in the day mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna tell you that show. I so that was a, this was a crossroads in my life with the Cosby Show because mm-hmm. prior to the Cosby Show coming out, Thursday nights at eight o'clock was mm-hmm. Magnum PI. Mm-hmm. So Magnum PI was on like one station. So this was back in the day, like mm-hmm. before cable was like a big thing. Yeah, and like twenty stations. I'm, I'm dating yeah. myself here. Yeah. Like <laughs> this is you know you had like CBS, NBC, ABC, and like PBS, right? Mm-hmm. And then Fox came on the scene. Mm-hmm. So you had like five channels, okay. like on your like. TV that you like dial. had to dial it in, right? Kind of thing, man. I'm sounding <laughs> so old here. And so, um, so Cosby Show started coming on at the same time slot, but in all mm. different channels on NBC. I think mm. like maybe, maybe, maybe the Magnum PI with this was the old Magnum PI, not the new Magnum mm. PI. With this was with Tom Selleck, and 
That's uh, so, I, yes, the stash and the short pants and drove the Ferrari <laughs> and the whole thing. Had the, mm. So I started watching Cosby Show, and I was like, oh, man, I, I like this more than Magnum P.I. because it was mm. funny and mm-hmm. it was situational, and I just love comedy, I guess, more than drama. Mm. Not that Magnum P.I. wasn't kind of funny, too. but So Cosby Show and then uh, Family Ties. Mm. Family Ties, another mm. great 80s sitcom mm-hmm. where you had this just family, you know, and, and the dad in that movie was just, or that TV show, right? He was just a really good example. Mm. And so, mm-hmm. uh, man, you know, goodness, it's sad to say that, mm-hmm. like, we go from that, you know, mid to to maybe late 80s where you had these good examples of dads being portrayed on TV. And I think mm-hmm. you even see that back in the day, probably, like, when you watch old stuff, like, like on Griffith TV land. Yeah, Andy Griffith yeah. or, like, the uh, Leave It to Beaver, mm-hmm. or you know, some of those old black and white shows mm-hmm. were great examples of families and dads. And then we see this progression of nowadays, like you say, we mm-hmm. get into the you know early '90s, mid '90s. Now the dads and mm-hmm. the men in the shows are starting to be portrayed as morons mm-hmm. and idiots, and and not helpful for their family. Yeah, I was just thinking, I can't think of the, the guy's name you might remember, but I think it was a 70s show that was, was it All in the Family that had... Uh, Archie Bunker. Archie Bunker, yeah. Yes. Like my, my, I think my parents used to watch that, and <clears throat> I was just I was going to say, it's like we kind of descended from good portrayals to bad portrayals now, but there was still, that was in the 70s. That is true. And he was kind <laughs> yeah. of a... Yeah. If you go back and watch that show now, you're like, wow, how is this not censored? Because like every other word yes. is like a slur towards his, what, Polish son-in-law yes, or something like right. that. So mm-hmm. it's kind of funny going back how times have changed, but that's, that is we digress. True. Yes. But um, <clears throat> yeah, to get back to what you were saying, Gabe, I think in general, you could say society has moved away from like the nuclear family and everything, you know, it's two kids, two parents, two dogs, whatever it is, yeah. you know, in a big backyard and a yeah. white picket fence mm-hmm. to now, I guess, partially because reality, because people have abdicated their responsibilities in, in homes and in families. And you know, whether you want to say that's being pushed by the media or if the media is trying to reflect reality, whatever it is, you know, that seems to be what we have now. And I'm just thinking, even when I was a kid watching a kid's show, like Rugrats show was like, the same thing where the parents were all, you didn't really even see the parents on the screen but they were all dumb or they all did stupid things and all, all these kids on the show Rugrats are like two years old and they have more sense than the parents do mm-hmm. so it's like slowly descended from like we just said you know Tim Allen a 90s show everything you know he was mostly good made some mistakes Family Guys I guess it's been around a long time now like a early 2000s mid 2000s show where Peter Griffin's an idiot and then Walter White, I think, came out, like Breaking Bad came out around late 2000s, went into the 2010s, and like we said, he goes from decent guy to meth kingpin pretty quickly. So there's that uh, declining portrayal of, of husbands and fathers. <clears throat> and so I guess the question there is, is that what we're supposed to be? If that's what we see reflected in culture, are we just supposed to go along, use these guys as I want to be like, I want to be as funny as Peter Griffin, you know, or I want to be as enterprising as Walter White, maybe not with the meth, <clears throat> meth uh, empire, but you know, I want to go out and 
you know, I want to be the best project manager so I can take care of my family and put that first and all that. But I just don't want to be a meth kingpin or I want to be like Tim Allen and help around my house, but I don't want to get my head stuck in a window or whatever dumb things he does. And I think it's pretty clear from the Bible, from hopefully if you have a church family and you go and listen faithfully to the sermons, should be pretty clear that men are called to be more than funny guys, providers for their family, you know, whatever, like the, the butt of the joke or the, the dad who teaches the kids how to throw a ball. Like there's there's a higher calling for us than that. And I almost want to, before you get into that next section, because mm-hmm. it's really good stuff, and I don't want to interrupt you when you get in there, mm-hmm. so I'm interrupt you now. <laughs> but I think, like you, you said something a minute ago I think was, was really poignant, and I don't want our listeners to miss. You said whether it's media pushing it or if they're just trying to reflect reality. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to think that and again this is hopefully not a conspiracy theorist mm-hmm. thing that you're gonna you know think of me but mm-hmm. i think that it is media pushing this mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. if we take the father out of the home or if we make the father not worth listening to mm-hmm. and a moron mm-hmm. you know then all of a sudden the family breaks down and what else does that do to society or to children? Mm-hmm. It it really, I think, is an affront to the fact that there should be a, or that there is a God who is, for lack of a better term, head of the household. Mm-hmm. That there is a God of the universe that has set everything in order, that he's taking care of you, that he knows what's best for you, that you should live within his rules and confines um, in order to have the best life and in order not only now but in in eternity number one with salvation through Christ and so if we disrupt that or if we try to 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 mess up that or make the man or make the male make the husband look like he doesn't know what he's talking about he doesn't have the, the family's best interest in heart he's not to be trusted then all of a sudden you're putting in some doubt to the to the viewer that there is structure and order to to the the universe that there is a god that is worthy of being trusted or that has their best interest at heart and so then it becomes uh hey we don't have to look to our family or we shouldn't look to our family or we shouldn't look to god for our wisdom guidance direction because we are just out here and we know better than those mm-hmm. above us in authority. Mm-hmm. So I think it's placing <clears throat> the created above the creator is mm-hmm. what the ultimate yeah. goal of that is. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I really don't think I am. No, I think I would agree with you. <clears throat> I think I I knew myself to this point when I started writing that. And I'm like, man, I could talk about that. But then the whole podcast would, would go on to that. And I just made a note that that's a good idea to do a whole podcast on that. I didn't thought cross my mind and I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want to go down that trail. But yeah, I think I agree with you to say it shortly that, yeah, there's a, a concerted effort for whatever reason by whoever to undermine parental authority. And like you say, you know, parental authority comes from the God given plan, the God given design of God at the head, man blow leading his household in concert with his wife and raising up 
children who love and respect their parents and because they love and respect what their parents have to say they learn about God and they come to love and respect and know him and like you said when you remove the father from the household then we're not putting off on single mothers or anything like that. Of course we're not. Saying, my mama was a single mother for a while. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're. I guess, and maybe you could speak to this, but my thought is when you take the, the father out of the household, then it, as good as the single mother tries to do, <clears throat> she now has to provide for the family. So she's out of the household during the day or she's having to work two jobs or whatever it is, and she then doesn't have the ability to fulfill her God-given role in teaching and raising and mentoring the child and coming alongside her husband to raise them, seeing good and healthy biblical roles between a man and a wife. And so she has to become the father figure as well as the mother figure. And I don't know if you wanted to speak to that. Yeah, yeah. no, I think think you're right. I mean, I think ideally it's a husband and a wife in the in the mm-hmm. family in the marriage that's ideal mm-hmm. but then when when the ideal is not there mm-hmm. then you know we praise the one and thank the one who's taking and wearing both hats mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. because of their having to pick up that extra mm-hmm. everything there you know yeah. man what a blessing they are and um so yeah but i just i think that's the ideal and yeah. obviously sometimes the ideal is not going to not mm-hmm. going to happen for yeah. various reasons you know and it may not be anybody's you know fault it might be a death it might be something to that effect you know Mm -hmm. but i just think that's a kind of a good segue into Mm -hmm. the ideal that you're about to talk through here in this next section yeah and so that's that's where we're going to go next is so is this what we're called to be by god just jokesters somebody to entertain our kids and you know give them a little bit of distraction from the real serious things they're doing in the world and I'd say clearly for the Bible, no, that's not what we're called to be. And just a few verses here that show some of our roles, some of the things we're called to do by the Lord. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he shall not depart from it. Ephesians five twenty five says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And Proverbs twenty two fifteen says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. So we have here some examples that husbands are supposed to raise their children well and you know, train up a child. Do not provoke children to anger. So that means, you know, in conjunction with don't provoke your children to anger. And this next one here, Proverbs twenty two fifteen, that says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. I'm not... This isn't a podcast about corporal punishment versus taking things away, but I think the point there, however you want to read that, is kids lack discipline, and I know that was true for me when I was a child, and we're just now seeing Bonnie's, what, 16 months now, and seeing she's learning what I tell her to do isn't always something she has to do. She can choose to do it or not do it and deal with the consequences. But, excuse us, guys, I got allergies this morning. But um, we are to provide discipline to our children, but do not provoke your children to anger. I think we're supposed to do that in a righteous way, that there's a, a vindictive 
cruel, you're inconveniencing me because you're not doing what I tell you to do way of punishing and disciplining a child. And then there's a, I love you, and because I love you, I don't want you to put your hand on a hot stove or run out and chase your ball across the street while you've got people flying down the street at 40 miles an hour kind of discipline where you sit them down and you say, all right, well, you can't play basketball right now because I've told you six times to quit chasing that ball on the road and I've seen you do it every time. And because I love you, I don't want you to get hurt. So there's a lot of different things that fathers are called to do in the Bible. And I think for the most part, we fail to do them well because either we're ignorant of them or because we've maybe bought into the lie from culture that we don't have to do anything but go to work and come home and you know, joke around with our kids. And, and I'll, I'll <laughs> say up in, in regards to those those couple verses right there, you know, that Ephesians 5.25, again, that in an ideal setting, again, where there's a husband and a, and a, mother, and a wife, a mother and a father in the home, it's that's the starting point, right? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And I know you're going to get into that more in just a minute, but I think we start with that, with love. Like, that's where it all starts. And mm-hmm. out of love comes everything else, the mm-hmm. training up, the disciplining. And it made me think of this quote that I've heard probably DJ say from the pulpit, our pastor, he said, rules without relationships mm. leads to rebellion. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we can get into that. Some of that, mm-hmm. that Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. It's like, if man, if all you're doing is just harping on your kids to mm-hmm. toe the line, then you become like a drill sergeant <clears throat> that your kid just despises and that they have zero, you know, because they're not feeling any love from you, right? Because mm-hmm. all you're doing is just mm-hmm. on your rear end all the time. And I think about that even with people with their relationship with the Lord. Like if people just think that the Bible is a list of rules of do this and don't do that, well, all you're going to do is push back against that and be like, man, I do what I want to do. This mm-hmm. is my life kind of mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah. But if someone understands that the Bible is teaching us how to have a relationship with the God who loves us and made us through Christ, through mm-hmm. Christ's sacrifice for us and how we can be grafted into his family and have a, a relationship with him, communicate with him daily through reading the word, through prayer, you know, and, and then we develop that relationship. Now, all of a sudden, we start to see the Bible as, and God's some of the the rules and the things of to do or not to do in there as not not like a, God's not some killjoy trying to take mm-hmm. away our pleasure. Mm-hmm. He's saying, "Hey, this is how you have pleasure in this life." in a manner that's proper just like you said your dad if you're giving the basketball example it's not that the dad's saying you can never play basketball again i'm tearing down your goal and i'm going to take a knife and stab it through this basketball so you mm-hmm. can never play basketball he's saying no i want you to be able to play basketball and have fun but in a way that's not going to get you ran over and your mm-hmm. head smashed in mm-hmm. right and so mm-hmm. it's that rules the relationship is what's going to get it so whether mm-hmm. the relationship is with your wife and how you we love and we respect and we treat and honor them mm-hmm. And then how, what's the relationship like with our kids? Like mm-hmm. how are we showing them love? And then that's where we're going to get that that great relationship with our children too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that <clears throat> model of Christ's love for the church is the way we're supposed to love our wives and children. And what you said leads right into that, Gabe, that love is the beginning of discipline. It's the beginning of seeing growth in your children and in your wife and <clears throat> their relationship with the Lord. For your kids, you know, it's the beginning of seeing them 
do the things that you want them to do, like <clears throat> get good grades or, you know, whatever, have good, healthy relationships with their friends, healthy relationship with you and your wife. And like you said, if you can, you could lay out however many rules you want, but if you rule with an iron fist and try to demand that your kids do everything, they will eventually grow up and maybe they'll decide, sure, I'll keep doing this thing my parents told me to do. But I know in my experience, I had, not that my parents ruled with an iron fist, I think my parents did a good job, but just the, like it says, the folly bound up in the heart of the child, for me, I just had to go out and do my own thing and explore and, you know, make my own choices, my own mistakes. And I think you can love a child well through that, or you can try to just force them to comply, and that's not going to build a relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. So Ephesians 5.25 through 33 is a passage that if you're familiar with, if you've ever been to a marriage conference, if you've ever heard your pastor talk about you know, what the role of husband and wife should be, or really if you just grew up in church, you know what this passage is going to say. And we'll get to the, the beginning part of that about wives later here. Uh, but the part about wives is Ephesians 5.22 through 24. And it just says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And 24 says, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything in their husbands. And <clears throat> nowadays I know that's not like a PC thing to say submit um, as a woman to a man because it sounds patriarchal and it sounds like, you know, she's another child. The husband just tells her what to do. And one, that's not biblical. It's not supposed to be the, the, the father, like we said, ruling with an iron fist, telling the, the wife and the kids what to do. But there is this element of, like we said earlier, God created man first. He instituted man as the head of the household. And then he brought along Eve, the woman, as a helper, as an encourager, as someone who will help the man make the most appropriate decisions for the family. So that's a, that is a difficult thing, like in the, the curse that God proclaims on Eve because of her sin of taking the apple and then convincing Adam to take the apple and eat. He says, you know, your desires will be against your husband, or it says towards or against, and I think the meaning there is your desires will be different than your husband's, or that you will desire him to desire you and want to do only the things you want to do and his desires will be separate or your desires will be different than his. So either way, like there's this tension tension. Yeah. Yeah. From the very beginning. So the wife is called to submit to the husband. What's the husband called to do? And let's read this passage here. Again, it's Ephesians 5, 25 through 33. It says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for you that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as christ does the church because we are members of his body therefore man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see she respects her husband. So we end there with the wife respects the husband. But I'm just going to underline the things 
and read them to you that the husband's supposed to do is husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for you. So Christ died on a cross for us in the church and the husband is called to love as Christ loved. And Christ is presenting the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh. So essentially the husband is called to love and not just love, but love sacrificially. And everything he does is to be building up his wife, his children, and encouraging them. <clears throat> Sorry, I've still got this in my throat. It's all right. Um, it's what Gabe and I say every time we start a podcast out. I sound good, feel good, and then as soon as we start, I got all this junk in my throat. Mm-hmm. So what this passage means is that we as husbands and fathers cannot live for ourselves and our own wants, our own desires, our own comforts, and be within God's plan and will for us as husbands. The idea is that we are to live sacrificially and love sacrificially, and there's a lot to that. So <clears throat> the first thing is that it means prioritizing your wife, God, children, and other things after them. So the proper priority there should be your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with your wife, <clears throat> your relationship with your children, and then we well, talk about family dynamics and who works and all that, but work that provides for your family forth, even though it is, quote, the most important thing so that your wife and your children can live. Like Gabe said, if you don't have a relationship with your wife and your child, they're not going to appreciate that bread that they get to eat every night, and they're not going to you know, have a real relationship with you and listen to you try to discipline them in the Lord and teach them about the Lord if all you are is the guy who comes home with a paycheck and, and makes them have the the home and the, the roof over their head. So that's how you should prioritize your life. That means for you, we started out with the relationship with God. You need to have a healthy, growing relationship with the Lord and be working in concert with the Holy Spirit towards your own sanctification or Sorry, that's a big, Gabe gets on me about using big Christianese words. Uh, that means practicing self-discipline. That means taking the time to have a daily quiet time to you know, ask the Lord to help you root out any sin in your life. Don't be satisfied with where you are and what the status quo is. You know, always be working towards being more like the Lord, um, even though if you know anything about story of David in the Bible, you know, he screwed up pretty spectacularly with, with Bathsheba and her husband, but the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. And that's one of the things I find myself praying a lot is, you know, incline my heart towards you. Help me to be a man after your heart. And I think that's what we're called to be there. Um, if you don't want to throw anything in there, Gabe, I'm going to go into that no, next yeah, I section. Just, I, I mean, I like what you said about the priorities. Now, I don't want people to miss that. It's the Lord, the wife, the children, then work and mm-hmm. other things. Because if we if we put our wife first or if we put our children first, then all of a sudden they're becoming the God, mm-hmm. right? They're the little idols that we're mm-hmm. setting up and that they're we're that we're worshiping, so to speak, or that mm-hmm. we're working only for them and for their pleasure. And if that's the case, man, everything gets 
gets messed up. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not going to work. I've seen a lot of, a lot of men and women that have that have put their children first in their home, and not their own marriage. So then, what happens as the kids get older and don't need them as much, right? When they become teenagers and then adults, well, then that marriage there's nothing there mm-hmm. because they didn't take the time to focus on their spouse and then that relationship just dwindles and falls apart Mm -hmm. you know and so it's that priority thing is huge Mm -hmm. and so we've just got to make sure it's the lord first that's our wife second then our children third and i think our kids we need to i don't think i know they need to know that like they Mm -hmm. need to know hey Mm -hmm. you are not the most important person in my life Mm mm-hmm you're the second most important person in my life to your mother. Mm-hmm. Like they just need to know that. And mm-hmm. we think, Oh, that's yeah. so harsh. And that's what, no, they, there's comfort in that. There's comfort in knowing mm-hmm. that your father loves your mother more than anyone <clears throat> else in the household mm-hmm. and that she comes first. So what does that look like in a day to day relationship? Well, if your kid smarts off to the mama, you're going to have a talk with that child mm-hmm. and be like, listen, that's my woman. Do not talk to her like that. Mm-hmm. Because that's my lady, number one. Number two, well, that's probably number two. Number one be you're being disrespectful to the Lord if mm-hmm. you're being disrespectful to your mother, mm-hmm. right? And so that allows the child to understand, again, the the hierarchy of, of, of mm-hmm. discipline, so to speak, that it's mm-hmm. God first, then it's your mother and father, and then it's the children. And so, again, we're, we're helping those kids develop a, a relationship of who they are in the scope of eternity. Where do they stand and with the Lord, and we're we're helping mm-hmm. to model for them a healthy a healthy home. Mm. So I think that those priorities are huge. Yeah, I think that's a good. I'm glad you you stopped me there just to give some examples of what that means. I guess I like to try to make things as practical as possible, but I kind of just floated on by this one when I, after I listed it. I like you know the idea of say you put your wife first. That sounds good. Like you say, you know, if if you have God first and then your wife second, that's how it should be ordered. But say you take God down second, third, fourth in that strain of things there and you take the wife and make her first, things could be good when things are good. But when hard times come or, you know, whatever, if you make your wife or wives, if you make your husband the, the goal, the ideal, the thing that makes you happy, then what happens when you fight? What happens when they're out of town at work or you know whatever it is then your happiness and your joy and your purpose in life is wrapped up in how your husband is making you feel or how your wife is making you feel and it's easy to have an argument with them and then have your whole day at work ruined or then have you know whatever your relationship with your kids ruined and then you get your your worship pattern with the lord all messed up because then you're blaming the lord like lord i thought my wife was supposed to complete me and bring me joy in you because you gave her to me and now we're having a fight and I'm not having the joy from her that I used to. Is it your fault because you brought me the wrong person? Is is there something wrong with me? Is there, you know, whatever the deal is there. And if you make your kids the center of the house, like you said, you know, then you are... I think of like the crazy sports parent who's like, all right, we've got AAU and then we've got, you know, whatever we got upward league and we got a church league basketball and we got this and that. And you get to this, you know, where the, I know pastors like to harp on the people who don't come to church during the summer because they're doing travel ball. But I think that's a real thing that you, you are teaching your child 
like, okay, so maybe your child's really good at basketball or baseball or something, and you're going for that scholarship. And I think that's a good and right thing to try to excel in sports. But if you take church off the table because you got to travel to somewhere, wherever, Somerville, and go play a, a tournament, mm-hmm. you're teaching your child that whatever they want is the most important thing, and the whole family will rearrange their priorities around what the child wants. You're teaching your child that even if it's inconvenient for mom and dad, even if we have to put God to the side, you know, whatever it is, we'll do what this kid wants and their happiness rules overall. So then you get into a situation like Gabe said, where the kids grow up. One, like you said, the parents kind of lost themselves in taking care of the kids. And then when the kids don't need them, what's their purpose in life? And their kids go off to college and they both have no clue how to live because they haven't lived together talking about things that relate to them. They've been talking about things that relate to, you know, whatever the the family based around the kids or whatever the issue is. And two, the kids get to a point where and I'm sure everyone's met someone like this where like they can't fathom not getting their way because their parents helicoptered over them and if the referee's calling too many fouls on them, they're going to go over and scream at the referee and you're an idiot, you're blind, you don't know. How did you get out here to do this? And referee's like some 17-year-old kid who's, you know, whatever. He took like two weekend classes and now he's a ref and he's trying to make an extra $6 an hour and he's getting earful from this parent of a 11-year-old because the 11-year-old has to have things their way and turns and, and looks at mom like, how is this, you know, why is this ref being mean to me? So you're teaching their child... Everything's always going to revolve around them. And clearly, as we know as adults, that's not true. <laughs> right. Yes. And the last thing there before we have to wrap this episode up because we're getting close to 40 minutes here is if you make work a priority, then, you know, like we said here, if you make if you make wife a priority, your children suffer, your work suffers, your relationship with the Lord suffers. If you make a child the priority, then your relationship with your wife and your work suffers. If you make work a priority your relationship with your wife and your kids will suffer and you get all wrapped up in that. You're all going about the next promotion. You're going about the prestige of being the best chiropractor, the best project engineer, whatever project manager you can be. And when you have a bad day at work, then your whole sense of worth and reality is screwed up and you can tie yourself out on the week and then, Saturday you do housework and then Sunday you're like, man, I get up so early every morning, I'm not going to church. And you get into a habit of doing that, you teach your kids church isn't important. So to wrap all that up, like I say, you make wife the priority, the others suffer, you make children the priority, the others suffer, you make work the priority, the others suffer. But the beautiful thing is if you make God and your relationship with the Lord a priority, when everything is ordered rightly in that God's first priority, wife is second, children are third, and work is fourth, you can be aligned with the will of the Lord, be built up in your relationship with Him, read these passages that help you to rightly order your life, and everything will fit together neatly, and your relationship with your wife, your children, and all your work relationships will flourish, and they'll get better, and you will get more joy out of your life because you have a good relationship with the Lord, and you're walking in obedience to Him.
Man, that's awesome. It's good stuff. And I think we will pause this episode. We'll get right back into this discussion in our next episode about what does it look like to be a godly and a great husband and father. So thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you follow Lost Boys and Found Fathers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please check out my books. And not only check them out, buy them on my new book come out called Every Little Thing, Six Small Steps to Perfect Peace. You can buy that wherever you buy books. And also my older book, That Will Be Done, that is available on Amazon. Again, thanks for joining us today. Let's not be lost. Let's be found in him.